Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. If you would like to discuss the murder in your family on this podcast, please be sure to visit themurderinmyfamily.com for more information. You can support this podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash themurderinmyfamily. This episode may contain unsettling material or subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed by guests on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of the podcast, its host, or sponsors. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Murder of My Family. Before we get started, please allow me a moment to share some important information with you. If you find that you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcast, so that the show can continue to grow and reach new listeners. To learn more about the show or the cases we discuss, please visit themurderinmyfamily.com. You can also find us on Twitter with the handle at murderinmyfam, or by searching for the Murder in My Family podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to support the show through a Patreon donation, it's always appreciated, and you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash the murder my family. Benefits of supporting the show on Patreon include early access to ad-free episodes of the show, plus bonus content not heard in regular episodes. Your support may also include thank you cards, stickers, and more. If you prefer to, you can also support the show through a PayPal donation by visiting paypal.me forward slash the murder of my family. In each episode, I'll give shout-outs to any new supporters. In this episode, I'd like to thank Kim, and thank you to all the supporters that generously donate to help keep the show growing and improving. As I've mentioned in the last couple episodes, I'll be attending CrimeCon, the true crime convention in New Orleans, this June. It's a great experience for any true crime fans. I'll be part of Podcast Row, a collection of great true crime podcasts and hosts. I hope that I'll see you there. If you'd like to go, check out the site CrimeCon.com and you can register and purchase badges to go. At checkout, use my promo code CRIMINOLOGY19 and you'll save 10% off your standard badges. Again, that promo code is CRIMINOLOGY19. Thank you, and now on with the show. Like many young people, 24-year-old Brandon Roth was still finding his way in the world. And along the way, he made some mistakes. Those mistakes would wind up costing Brandon his freedom and eventually his life. When Brandon was still young, he lost his grandfather, and it was devastating for Brandon. After his grandfather passed away, the young Arizonian found himself adrift. During that crucial time, when many young men are growing up and realizing that their decisions 
and actions have consequences. This was a time when Brandon got mixed up with the wrong crowd. For whatever reason, the thrill of it, quick money, boredom, or peer pressure, Brandon, when he was 19 years old in 2012, found himself alongside a group of men involved in the theft of cars, jewelry, and electronics. Brandon was arrested and spent two days in jail. Unfortunately, that wasn't a wake-up call for Brandon. Four months later, he failed to show up for his court appearance, and a warrant was issued for his arrest. But Brandon felt he needed to own up to what he did, and he called his mom, Carrie, from a church to tell her that he decided to turn himself in and to say goodbye. He then called police who came to the church and arrested him. Brandon didn't want to break his mother's heart, and he asked police not to handcuff him in front of his mom. They honored Brandon's request and took him away without handcuffs. Brandon spent the next two months in jail for felony burglary charges. In a way, it brought Brandon closer to his mom and stepfather, Rodney. They would visit Brandon every week, and it seemed that Brandon might be turning a corner. Brandon was released from jail and was given five years of probation. This was the chance for Brandon to turn his life around. But as is too often the case, Brandon wasn't able to do that. He again found himself mixed up with the wrong crowd. And he violated his probation multiple times by not following the terms of his probation, paying fines, or submitting to drug tests. In 2014, the court revoked Brandon's probation, and he was sent to state prison for the next 15 months. It seemed as if Brandon finally realized that he had to change. From prison, Brandon wrote letters to Carrie and Rodney apologizing for what he had done and promising that he wouldn't do any more what he termed stupid stuff when he got out. Fifteen months without Brandon was grueling for his family, but the day finally came in November 2015 when Brandon walked out of prison a free man. It wasn't long after Brandon got out of prison that he found himself in a new relationship with a woman who was a little bit older than him named Sidney Osmond. After only about five months of dating, Sydney became pregnant with Brandon's baby. But the pregnancy put stress on the relationship between Brandon and Sydney, and they decided it best for everyone involved that they separate. Still, Brandon seemed excited about having a baby. Carrie thought becoming a father would instill the sense of responsibility that Brandon needed. Rodney got Brandon a job where he worked at a local auto shop called Breakmax and he and Carrie sold Brandon a car on a payment plan so that Brandon could get around with his baby if he needed to and be able to get back and forth to work. Things were looking up for the young father-to-be, but it wouldn't last. Only a month after starting the job at Breakmax, Rodney's boss came to him with some disturbing news about Brandon. Brandon, as it turned out, had stolen a valuable diagnostic tool from the shop. Brandon pawned the tool at a local pawn shop for $200. In the process, he gave them a fingerprint scan and showed his ID, which left no doubt that Brandon was responsible for the theft. This news devastated Carrie and Rodney. They had gone out of their way to help Brandon start a new life in a positive direction. As hard as it was for Carrie, she cut off contact with her son. On March 26, 2017, out of the blue, Brandon texted Carrie a message which read, Just wanted to let you know you're a grandmother. Carrie reached out to Brandon's ex, Sydney to find out more about the birth, but to her surprise, 
she found out that Sydney hadn't given birth and that Sydney hadn't talked to Brandon in weeks. Carrie couldn't understand why Brandon would make something like that up. But it turns out that just two days after Carrie called Sydney, that Sydney actually wound up giving birth to a baby boy. On April 7, 2017, Brandon pled guilty to trafficking stolen property. He entered Pima County Jail to await sentencing. Despite the jail's policy of placing cellmates together who were in for similar crimes, this wasn't the case with Brandon. Brandon, who hadn't committed any violent crimes, was placed into a cell with a mentally disturbed man named King Yates, who had a string of violent crimes in his background, most notably the recent murder of his girlfriend. Yates was sent to Pima County Jail to await court proceedings, and 12 days after becoming cellmates with King Yates, Brandon Roth was dead. King Yates put a bunch of batteries in a sock and beat Brandon severely with a homemade weapon until Brandon was unconscious. Once Brandon passed out, Yates strangled him to death. When guards discovered Brandon's bloodied and battered body, King Yates acted emotionless. Later, in court, King Yates would lash out at the judge and claim that he was being poisoned. He required medication to control his mental illness. At the time Yates was sharing a cell with Brandon, he wasn't receiving proper dosage of his medications. Losing Brandon in such a horrible way was difficult for Carrie and Rodney to accept. They knew that the path Brandon had chosen might not lead to somewhere good, but they never thought it would end with Brandon being beaten and strangled to death by a dangerous prisoner in jail for murder. The aftermath of Brandon's murder was tough for Carrie and Rodney. As parents, you never ever want to give up on your kids, and you always want to help them. And Carrie and Rodney had helped Brandon as much as they could, but that doesn't mean that they wish they couldn't have done more. It wasn't until after Brandon was gone that Carrie realized that there was still a little part of Brandon left, Brandon's baby boy. Carrie had no contact with Sydney, the mother of Brandon's baby, but Carrie admittedly stalked Sydney's Facebook page looking for photos of her grandson, and when she found them, they reminded her so much of Brandon when he was a baby. It wasn't until two weeks after Brandon was murdered that Sydney saw a story on the news about Brandon's murder, and she immediately reached out to Carrie. The two women met face to face, and Carrie was finally able to hold her grandson. Carrie and Sydney have since forged a relationship, and Carrie is enjoying being a grandmother to Brandon's son. She sees so much of Brandon in the young boy. And that's a bittersweet thing for Carrie. But she knows that part of Brandon will live on forever. Brandon's mom, Carrie, joined me to discuss his case. That conversation is next. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Carrie, thank you for joining me to discuss your son Brandon's case with us today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And Brandon's case is sort of a story within a story, and it's a sad one. It's a story of a young man who makes a few bad choices in his life. 
But before he can make up for them, he crosses paths with an even more troubled young man with issues of his own. How has this ordeal been for you and your families over the last couple of years? The worst part of it is Brandon had a son two weeks before he was murdered. So we're kind of partly raising his son. My husband's completely lost. He lost his only boy. And I'm still numb. I can't accept the fact that my son's never coming home. So it's left a, a void in, in your life. One it'll never be filled, ever. Let's go back a little bit before this rough time in, in Brandon's life. Can you take us back, Carrie, to when he was younger and share some of your memories of Brandon during better times? Brandon was always a very happy kid, and he always had a smile on his face. He loved animals. If I ever ran over a small animal when I was driving... He would like a prairie dog. He would make me pull over so he could bury it. He loved to be around adults. He didn't like to be around kids. He just he was the one that pleased people all the time. Just one of those special kind of people that was a very old soul that he had. And back in 2012, Brandon first got into trouble when he burglarized a home with some other guys and they also stole some cars was that a, a case of Brandon getting mixed up with the wrong crowd do you think Brandon was the driver they did it because of the girl the house belonged to her ex-boyfriend and she told him sorry told them and getting this from Brandon she told all of them that they said the family would be gone for the weekend they could just go in there I don't know what happened with the other kids, too, but Brandon did end up serving time. He did what he was supposed to. He played guilty. He didn't fight it. He knew it was wrong. And he wound up going to jail for a couple months. Is that correct? For 17 months. Okay. And he was sentenced to, what, five years probation over that incident? If Brandon had stayed out of trouble... You know, he could have had a fresh start, but that didn't happen. He didn't do what was needed to do to honor his probation, uh, according to the records. And the probation wound up being revoked. How tough was that for you and, and your family? Um, it was really hard for my husband and I because Rodney and I, his dad, visited him every Sunday in the county jail. When he went to Florence prison, he made us promise to write three times a week. He would write every day as much as he could, but we were not allowed to go see him in prison. He didn't want us to see him like that. So the only time we saw him is the day we went up to Florence and picked him up. So he was trying to save you the pain of having to see him in prison like that and, and try to keep you from coming to see him. And that must have been tough on you not to be able to support him. I'm sorry. It was hard enough to see him in county on the video system. I don't think I could, emotionally I could have handled seeing him in prison. That's not the kid I raised. I didn't understand anything that had happened. 
when he, he got out, he was he sentenced to what was it fifteen months when he got out. Um, it seemed like he may have been getting his life in order. Your husband got him a job. I mean, is that correct? Yes. Okay. And he also met a woman named Sydney who was a bit older than him, and the two of them started a relationship. Yeah. And did you feel at that point that he may have turned a corner that he, you know, things were looking better for him and maybe he could get a fresh start? I did. He was excited. He was going to be a dad. He always wanted a son. And we had sold him a car. And we got a job. He was, I, we thought he was turned around. Here's okay. what we think things itself. We sold the friend in the car. That was in the death sentence. He got arrested at Breakneck for stealing that automotive computer. What we didn't know is Brandon gave us the car payment from that, what he got. So he didn't, like, um, steal the computer so he could go buy drugs or anything. He did it so he could make a car payment because he knew we would repossess it anyway because we had a contract. So he essentially stole the computer to sell it in order to make a payment to you for the car that you had helped him to get. Yes. And I guess the owner of the company pressed charges over that. The owner didn't, the employee did. And then Pima County, of course, dropped charges after he died. And around this time, despite Sydney being pregnant, they broke up but they still remain in contact. And yes. during this time, he's facing new charge and new trouble in court while she's about to have a baby. Um, I don't think that they weren't talking toward the end of her pregnancy because she was, she did what a lot of people do. And she said, she told Brandon the baby wasn't his. And they were in the middle of a huge argument because Brandon said he wanted custody. And she said, no, that's what she did. He said that to him, that he would back off. But Brandon told me all this was going on, but he knew the baby was his. I think in March of 2017, it was during that time, you weren't really, you and uh, Brandon weren't speaking on a regular basis, is that correct? Because of the car situation, and Rodney got him a job, Rodney almost lost his job, and his my landlord, who had been have had the same landlord for 10 years, got him an apartment, or gave him an apartment at one of his other complexes, and Brandon trashed the apartment. We don't know why him and his ex-roommate trashed it, and they kind of skipped on the rent after that. So I was pretty mad because he had almost cost Rodney's job. And it, it caused friction for for your family, in other words. During this time, he did reach out to you, and he mentioned that you were a grandmother. Um, how, I'm sorry? The text that he sent, this is what was weird, is then stage four Ben was born, I got that text from Brandon. He hadn't even been born yet. And how long after that text was was the baby actually born? The next day, he did bring him to and he was in labor because she was in the hospital with a heart problem. And they took the baby. They didn't, she didn't wait for her to deliver. They had, they were C-section. Brandon didn't know any of this because they weren't talking. But you found out that the baby was born actually the day after he sent that text. 
No, I found out that Ben was born about a week after Brendan's murder when Sydney found me on Facebook. Okay. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And you, you didn't really have contact with Sydney at that time? Not at all. Okay. And Brandon didn't get a chance to meet the baby, you know, his own son, because in April 2017, after he had pled guilty to trafficking stolen property, he was sentenced to... He was waiting he was for waiting. sentencing. And, yeah, in county jail. And this is where things really take a wrong turn because despite his problems, he never had any history of violence towards people. But he was stuck in a cell with an inmate that had a lengthy record for violent crimes. And 12 days after being in the cell together, that inmate named King Yates beat and strangled Brandon to death. Beat my son with a battery filled with a socks socks filled with batteries. And then strangled him to make sure he was dead. And how did how did you find out that news? How did you get that information? That information? Um, okay. <laughs> On the 17th and 19th when Brandon was killed, I had two sheriff's deputies come to my work to tell me that my son had, quote-unquote, passed away. And they recommended me to not watch the news. So, of course, I left work and I get in my check and I listen to it and Brandon's name is all over the place. I get home, turn the TV on, and Brandon's face is all over the place. And then I start looking through things and find out that my son was beaten and strangled to death. I read online that, you know, this kind of prison death by another prisoner, a fellow prisoner, hadn't happened in, in what, 40 years? Yes, Brandon was the first in 40 years. And what kind of charges did King Yates face after Brandon's murder? What Was he charged with any additional crimes, and what was he charged with? With premeditated first-degree murder. And did he ever give a reason as to why that he he attacked Brandon? He said it wasn't him. Somebody else came in the cell. It's shocking because you found out some things about King Yates that he had a violent past, he had mental issues. What kind of things were you able to, to learn about this man? You mean by watching an important person or reading online? I, I guess both. Some troubling things came out about him. Okay, they're saying that he's saying that he's mentally disturbed or whatever. I don't see it. I see it very in person. I see someone that's just immediately unbelievably and he's smart about it. I've watched him be thrown out of court by by the judge and he's screaming on his way out after he's being escorted out that he's being poisoned in jail. And then I talked to his ex-wife's family. We're really good friends now and I learned personal things about it and he's not, there's no way he's mentally 
<laughs> no way. Not with the history that he has. And do you think that some of that is an act to, to make himself look like he wasn't responsible for what he did? Absolutely. And I know that you're, there's some proceedings going on in court now, and, and you're, he's due back in court in February. What's the latest on, on that? We have a status conference hearing that was supposed to be today that got postponed until February. And that was supposed to see if he can be, if he'll be willing to take medication or if it has before. Then we were supposed to go to a status conference hearing on January 7th to see if he's competent to represent himself, and that got pushed indefinitely. So what was supposed to happen today, we're going to have to wait until February 11th to find out. Well, it's, it almost seems as if he's making a mockery out of it by trying to represent himself and, and turn it into a circus. He has. Well, hopefully the court sees through that and they're able to prosecute him and, and convict him and sentence him to the time that he deserves for what he did to your son. We're hoping, we're hoping, we're hoping. It's frustrating, aggravating, heartbreaking, and sickening all at the same time. Because when we're in court, he looks at us and smiles. So it's almost like adding insult to injury. And there's nothing we can do. Absolutely nothing we can do. I know Brandon was only 24 when he died. And looking back at his short life, where do you think things went wrong for him? And do you think that he might have eventually been able to turn his life around? The worst thing that ever happened to Brandon was he was 14 and my dad died suddenly at 49. And that turned Brandon completely around. He was lost and confused and never got over it. He was very close with his grandfather. Oh, extremely. My dad pretty much raised him. My dad gave him like the male part of raising him. And that was a, a, an important figure for him in his life and in his upbringing. Yeah. And, and losing him may have been the first thing that sent him down the wrong direction. Yes. And I know the tough part is Brandon died without ever meeting his son, but since then you've been able to, and what is that relationship like for you now? The that this little boy is a spitting image of Brandon, where it's important and you can't tell their baby pictures apart, is kind of Fascinating, creepy, scary, and just awesome all at the same time. And does that give you a feeling that you have a little piece of him left to to keep close to you? He's all I have left. Hopefully with, with having him in your life, uh, and plus whatever happy memories you have of Brandon that you have, you can hold on to those, and, you know, your memories of, of Brandon will live on, you know, through your grandson and, and through your memories. I have all the letters that went back and forth between Brandon and I when he was in prison. I kept all of those. Ben's going to be able to read what his daddy was like instead of, you know, Googling his dad's name and seeing that he was, he'll be able to see what his daddy was like, how he talked and what he looked like and all the great, all the good things about Brandon. 
and it, it seems like he left maybe a uh, a record of some of his feelings in his letters that his son will be able to go back through one day and, and look at and get an understanding of who his father was. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that in February things go well in court, and I'm hoping that maybe we can do a follow-up with you and see how that turns out. You can let us know that this man's going to be prosecuted to the fullest extent and convicted. Uh, that would be some good news, and I hope you'll be able to share that with us. I will. Thank you. All right, Carrie, I just want to thank you once again for sharing Brandon's story with us. I know that the last couple of years have been rough on you, uh, but I definitely appreciate that. Thank you for taking the time to tell Brandon's story. No problem. And, and again, I hope that we do have some good news from you in February that, that he's going to be put away for, for the time that he deserves. Let's hope. Thank you once again for joining me for this episode of The Murder of My Family. If you enjoyed this episode, please introduce a friend of the podcast and invite them to listen. And before you go, remember that every murder victim means something to somebody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.